Welcome to the Pasky Report, a podcast dedicated to the Boston Red Sox. everyone welcome to a brand new podcast dedicated to the boston red sox welcome to the pesky report uh make sure you go ahead you follow us on twitter uh we're brand new so we would love you to follow us you can find us on twitter at twitter.com backslash pesky report uh with me today uh actually my name is brad shandler uh, I am one of the hosts of the Pesky Report. With me today, I have Brandy Brewer of the Nest Podcast, and I also have Zach with me. How are we doing today, gentlemen? I'm excited. I don't know how you guys are doing, but I am. I can't believe that we're getting to talk baseball. I can't believe that we get a full season ahead of us, hopefully, knock on wood. I am, I'm stoked. I'm so excited. Yeah, and I'm very excited to be here. Thanks for having me on the inaugural episode of the Pesky Report. I, I feel honored to be here joining you guys. Uh, Brandon, honestly, like one of the first things that I had talked about uh, when you and I first met, uh, we were deciding on possibly starting a Red Sox podcast, uh, and you wanted me to go ahead and host it. And we were trying to come up with names and whatnot, and the pesky report was one that I just kept throwing out there. And I was like, I want to do the pesky report because it absolutely had something to do uh, with the Boston Red Sox and it'll never be taken away from the Boston Red Sox. It's not like you're naming it after a player. Um, So it'll always be part of the Boston Red Sox. And we finally have something uh, dedicated to the Red Sox and it's actually something that you and I kind of came up with uh, a while ago. Yeah. What was that? Was that a 2019 season or was that sometime during 2020 that we were talking about that? It's been well, a long see, time. So, so I've only known you since the 2020 season because uh, I started it, blogging okay. in 2020. That's right. And yeah. So, but uh, we are excited to talk about the Boston Red Sox, of course, uh, one of you know the greatest team. We're part of the greatest fan base in all of Boston, or not not Boston, all of MLB. And 2021 is looking to be a hell of a lot better than 2020. I am excited, uh, and I just want to start talking about stuff that my mind's like exploding here. You know, one of the big names that are like in in the news with the Boston Red Sox right now is uh, Dahlbeck, Bobby, Bobby Dahlbeck. And Michael Chavis, uh, they both lead the Grapefruit League right now. I, I, I'm not sure what it is now if either one of one of them had hit a home run to, in today's game. But I know they've been leading the league uh, with five home runs. Dawbox had like two grand slams. And it's just like insane to see the power. Uh, me personally, I didn't think that Chavis had a chance and at hell to actually make the starting roster this year. Uh, what are your opinions? I'll start with you, Zach. I thought Chavis was an odd man out from the beginning, especially with Christian Arroyo being brought in last year and having heavy times, uh, heavy ties to Heim. 
I thought he was kind of like a dead man, but he's shown in spring training that, you know what, like, don't forget my name. You got to give me a chance on this roster. I mean, he's got an 1100 OPS. He's got a 308 average and obviously spring training numbers. You take them with a grain of salt, but he has shown again, like, Hey, like, don't forget who I am. Like I've been here. Let me prove to you again that I can be an, an MLB player. And I mean, I, I like Chavis. I think he has the personality for Boston. I think he's a fun player to watch and I would root for him. Like I, I hope that he is able to break through and become a, an impact player on this roster. And what about you, Brent? See, I'm, I'm a big fan of Michael Chavis also. I live in Florida now, and I got to go to Tampa whenever he made his MLB debut. And I remember absolutely going insane whenever he doubled off the wall. And I remember I, I, I stood up, I was screaming and all this stuff. And I actually heard the people behind me being like, see, you don't ever see Rays fans get excited over stuff like this. <laughs> and it just goes to, to your point earlier, Red Sox fans, we are absolutely rabid when it comes to this kind of stuff. I knew going in like, okay, Michael Chavis could be making a debut today. Like Michael Chavis is our top prospect. And like, I'm telling my wife all this stuff and she's just like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I, um, I remember the, the Chavis double as well, and um, he ended up getting the nickname the Ice Horse. And, you know, we get that from uh, the Carabas crew. And it, it kind of stuck, you know. He, he's he got that nickname. I ended up getting a, a, custom, a customized jersey with Ice Horse on the back of it. So I'm a Chavis fan as well. Um, the only thing that I was hoping to see different last year that we didn't see in 2019 was the fact that he could not lay off the, uh, the high fastballs. And, and, and it proved last year as well he couldn't lay off the, the high fastballs. Uh, so far in the spring training, he's showing that he's still got the power. Um, he's not striking out nearly as much. Thank Thank goodness he's not because we've got Dahlbach uh, who's going to end up probably breaking the strikeout record um, <laughs> trying to go for all the massive home runs. And I'm hoping that Chavis gets to uh, have some playing time. Uh, but it, he might be a bench guy, especially with Franchi Cordero uh, making, making an impact. And fun thing about him is, is that he's got – uh, he's got three less hits than Benintendi, and he's played like five games less. And so he's batting 500. Yeah, I know. It's so it's far. Spring training. It is spring training, but Benintendi's already been hurt. Yeah. Um, you know, to to your point about Michael Chavis, and you said that you, you thought that he would be a bench guy. I 100% agree with that with the amount of talent that's been brought in. I thought, like Zach, that he was going to be the odd man out and end up down right. in, in Worcester to start the right. season. But it seems like uh, uh, that Danny Santana deal, whenever he came over, I thought that that was pretty much the final nail in yep. the coffin for Chavis. But he's been injured. He hasn't really been able to go out there. Chavis going out there and balling during spring has definitely helped his cause. And uh, you mentioned Arroyo. He's, he was hot to start spring training. He's cooled off significantly, so I could definitely see a spot for Michael Chavis on the opening day roster, be it that he's coming off of a bench to be a, a pinch hitter or something like that, but at least he's, he's there in Boston and not at the uh, AAA site. Yeah, and again, I, I think if he's able to lay off that high fastball, yep. I think it completely changes him as a hitter. I, that's the 
the thing that pitchers keep coming after him with. Right. And I mean, the more players that we have that can go up and put up quality ABs, the farther we get away from that 2020 team and the more excited I think we can be about this team. I feel yeah. like the 2021 team is a far superior already and we haven't played a meaningful game. <laughs> so, I mean, we don't have Zach Godley. Uh, we don't have a uh, kick him. Kick him. <laughs> yeah. She's uh, like, don't even get me started about that guy. Matt um, Hall. We don't have Matt Hall. Uh, Garrett Richards is actually a guy that I'm, I'm a little excited about. I know a lot of people that are sitting out there like, why are we, why are we taking this guy or whatnot? But in all honesty, if for anything that, that, that mustache and that <laughs> mullet, like, that's got to intimidate somebody, you know, you got to, you got this dude. And he was on the Bradford show uh, yesterday talking about how he's going to do the little curls. Yeah, I heard that. And I'm just like, yes. Yeah, that's old school. Yeah. So who are some of the players you guys are uh, excited about uh, watching uh, that we ended up getting? For me, honestly, one of the guys that I'm most excited about is Kike Hernandez. Yes, I've, I've been talking about this guy ever since he, the deal was made. I think it's a two-year deal with the Red Sox. It is. And I think he is going to be an absolute fan favorite. I think he's going to be yep. the type of guy that, that the Boston fans were like, who the hell is this guy? And then all of a sudden, you see Hernandez jerseys all over Fenway Park because he's going to be a huge, huge presence. And – with the retirement of Dustin Pedroia, that opens up a spot for him to be an everyday second baseman, something he's never been able to do in the bigs. Yeah, yeah. I think he has that personality and that flair that, again, this team hasn't really had. And that's not a bad thing. Like, we have a lot of guys that are professional and just carry themselves in that professional manner, but Kike takes it to the next level. He likes to have fun. He has some swag to him. Like, he'll be, he's going to be fun from an all around perspective. I can't wait to see him. So I'm I'm absolutely 100 uh, percent like I want to see Kike, uh, I I want to see Marlon Gonzalez uh, actually you know do good as well, but um, I don't want people to forget about Doogie. You know Verdugo was one of the high uh, he was one of the high spots for last year. I mean he came in he basically told Renicky, dude you know I can hit lefties uh, put me in and he started putting them in versus lefties and. Verdugo was batting over 300. He had a batting average over 300. He was the MVP for the Red Sox in 2021. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Ver- and and someone else a spark that. plug. Yeah, yeah, he is. And someone that I'm actually excited about that I I have not heard a lot of talk about this guy at all until the other day. It might be because I've been watching the Padres ever since Wurcillo has started calling them. I can't wait to watch how Hunter Renfro uses Fenway Park to his advantage. I mean, this guy, we're, we're, what, two seasons removed from, I think, a 33 home run season. Then the other two seasons, he had 26 bombs attached to his name. I think Fenway Park suits him so well, and he is going to put some balls on a rope, and I can't wait for that. I don't don't remember what day it was. It could have been Friday, um, but he hit – he hit a homer that like yeah, put a bomb. dent. Yeah, he hit a bomb, and one of the call uh, the call was he put a dent in the batter's eye. Yeah, yeah, I and I think he's going to be doing that a lot. The monster's going to have some new dents in it. Watch out on the mass pike. Like I think we're going to have some fun watching some of those at bats. Oh yeah, I I remember I lived in San Diego when Renfro played out there, and they used to give us tickets all the time to just 
try to fill the seats. So I got to see him up close and in person. And when he gets a hold of one, it goes a long way. And I am excited like you, Zach, that I think he's going to have a tremendous season in Boston. Uh, one of the guys that I'm excited for, another guy that I'm excited for rather that, that we got this, this off season is Adam Ottavino. Uh, oh, a dude, yes. that, dude that came over from the Yankees and basically they're like, here, uh, <laughs> we're, we're just dumping salary. Just take them, please. Also here, you know, take a minor leaguer as well. You know, maybe you can make something out of that, but just take all this. And then he's going to come out. And so far from what we've seen in this spring, he looks like the 2019 version of Adam Ottavino, which is very exciting for us who have not seen very much out of the bullpen in the recent seasons. So now that we're talking about Adam Ottavino and we're talking about the bullpen, I kind of want to bring up the closer situation. Okay. And I, I, I've heard so far that they're not naming a closer as of yet. Um, it is up between Adam Ottavino and it's also uh, uh, him and Matt Barnes. A lot of people don't want Matt Barnes. And it's understandably so. And he's had some rough outings. I remember the last game that I went to was in 2019. I went to the last two games at Fenway. Um, and I saw the Red Sox face the Orioles. And one of the, la- the last game was supposed to be uh, was I think it was Eduardo Rodriguez was pitching to uh, it was going to be his 200th inning. And I saw them actually play in Philadelphia when Erod uh, made his, his, his last um, start against the Phillies. So it was the Phillies and then he was going to pitch against the, uh, the Orioles and Barnes blew it. And I'm just sitting there. I'm like, Barnes, can you do anything right? Can you just finish this? Like this guy could have had a 20, 21 season. He would have been one of the first first lefties on the Red Sox and so many years who had a 21 season with over 200 innings pitched and Barnes blew it. Uh, now, with the fact that they have Adovino and Barnes, who do you guys think should be the closer for the Red Sox? Brendan, go ahead. Ottavino, 100%. Uh, Barnes is one of those guys, when he comes in, I'm like, oh, no, here we go. And you, you get that feeling about guys, and it doesn't always come true. Like, sometimes it, it's good to go, and, you know, they they do their job, and they get out of the inning without giving up any hits or blemishes at all. But for, for, what, it, for what it's worth, every time I see Matt Barnes, it seems like he's in a situation where he's getting runners on base. He's giving up runs. He's blowing the save I'm, I'm trying to find the stats for his number of blown saves in his in his career but i haven't been able to find it yet but i know like it seems like every time i watch him he's blowing well you mentioned the the eddie blown uh yeah. opportunity it's it just every single time i see him that seems to happen i don't have that feeling about adam Ottavino, at least not yet so for me and for my eye test i'm plugging him into that role but i think cora is probably going to be loyal to Barnes because he remembers what he did in the 2018 season, being that set-up man and all that stuff, and he's going to give him that shot to start the season. So before we get to you, Zach, I just want to let you know, uh, it, he has 12 blown saves, and he has 13 saves. Yeah, not very good. <laughs> no, that's that's not very good. So, Zach, who do you think that uh, the Red Sox should go with as a closer? So I I have two names on who I think will be our closers at some point in the season. Um, 
I don't think it's going to be Matt Barnes. As much as I, I love watching Matt Barnes pitch because I think he has really good stuff. I want him as our seventh or eighth inning guy. I don't think he's, and I want to try and mean this in the most polite way I can. I don't think he's enough of a psychopath. I think in order to be a closer, you have to be a bit off. And Papelbon. Yeah, <laughs> even with Ottavino, like he's he is like, hey, if Babe Ruth was still alive, I'd strike that guy out. Like, yes, get get in the back of the bullpen. You get me those final three outs. Um, so I think it should be Ottavino. I think Ottavino will get the opportunity to close. Somebody else, I think we maybe, maybe get the chance to see at the end of the bullpen. Darwinson Hernandez. Yes. I Someone that kid. <laughs> I I love that kid. I think he's got some nasty stuff, and I I don't know enough about him yet to know if he has like that psycho mentality. But I want to see it. I just want to like. I think this could be a big opportunity for him to prove himself. Like, hey, I am nails, and don't you forget that. So with Darwinson Hernandez, I have been saying. He was supposed to – I think they were actually going to go with him as the closer last year, and then he mm-hmm. ended up uh, getting COVID. Uh, so with that whole situation, that kind of put a you know a damper on it. And I have been, like, very, very vocal about how I think the Red Sox should go and um, let Darwin's and Hernandez be the closer or at least, like, go for that closer position. With this – this off, not this offseason, but in the spring, they have been stretching them out, which is like that's not something you typically do for somebody you're going to have close. So, unfortunately, I don't think we'll see Hernandez um, pitch for the closing position. Uh, the other person I was thinking about was the um, uh, Soramara. I think his name is. I, I'm not sure how. Swarm, to yeah, something like. I'm ex- I'm excited to watch him. I, I thought that his name would have been brought into uh, into the closure role as well, but it kind of it kind of makes me think. It's like because when you have the Japanese guys that come over here, most of us uh, as fans we think of the Japanese teams and the players and whatnot as like quadruple A players uh, because they're not facing the the players that you would see in the MLB. And so, like, you had, um, like, let's just say, I'm going to talk Yankees for a second. You had Tanaka who came over, and I remember watching the very first person he he faced, who was Milky Cabrera, and Cabrera took him took him deep. His first 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 batter he faced, he took him deep. So people were just like, oh crap, you know. Um, I don't know. We'll see what position they end up putting him in, um, what role they put him in. Um, it has been announced, though, that we have an opening day starter, and we have Eduardo Rodriguez as our opening day pitcher. And I want to get your your opinions on exactly how you feel um, with that. So, uh, Zach, we'll go with you this time. I am so happy that he is finally getting a nod for opening day. I know it's more of a technicality because Sale is hurt. But I think he deserves it outright. Other than that, he's been it, – it seems like he's been here forever. I think, like, what, 2015 is when he got here from the Orioles, from that Andrew Miller trade. And he's been consistent his entire time here. It's been basically a sub-4 ERA every single year. He's, I love watching him pitch. I love him on this team. I'm, it, it's a good-for-him moment. Like, people are going to try and 
take it away from him. And it's like, oh, it's just good sales. That No, he deserves this. I'm glad he's doing it, especially after what he had to go through last year. I'm so happy he's healthy and back on the mound. Yeah, dude couldn't walk last year. He yeah. had yeah. to basically sit and just watch the team play because he couldn't get out there and rehab and all that stuff. I'm beyond excited for him. Uh, I think it's a great, great sign for him going forward. You know, he he did have to take the entire 2020 season off, but it doesn't appear that he's really lost anything. You know, this spring, he's been pretty good. He's given up a, a couple long bombs, but that that's to be expected, especially playing in the American League East. You're going to give up some of those long bombs. But if he's able to keep runners off the bases, I think that's the the big thing for him. And that's, you know, I, di- I didn't really get the chance to say it, but that's my biggest knock on Darwinson Hernandez so far this spring is he's he's pitched three innings. He's uh, had five walks, a hits bat, a hit batsman, and only two Ks. So that's not the type of guy that I want at the end of my my lineup or at, in the ninth inning. And the, and the back end of the bullpen. Yeah. 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 You know, that's, that's actually tough. Um, but – you know, me, I'm absolutely ecstatic, ecstatic that Erod's getting this chance. Uh, I think he's actually the longest tenured player on the team um, outside of Bogey. Yeah. Right, outside of Bogey. And he's the longest tenured in the rotation. So I think that, you know, obviously without Chris Sale, it's absolutely 100% going to be Erod. And I think – Erod and Martin Perez um, working together, they can probably get it done. You know, tell each other what they need to do, talk to each other about their pitching and whatnot. And then you got Chris Sale as well, because now you got these three lefties. Uh, you got Sale, you got Erod, you got Martin Perez. They're going to sit there, they're going to talk about like what kind of pitches they're going to throw and whatnot. So I'm excited. Um, I think that it's great for the team. And I hope he does good because it's a pay year. Uh, it's, you know, he's a contract. He's, he's a free agent at the end of the season. Uh, the next question I have for you guys is who do we put in as our number two? Mm. So who's going to take over that number two spot or who would we put out there right now? Who would you think, who do you think is going to be our number two? I really hope it's Evaldi. I, I think if he's not, again, it's the big hypothetical if. If he's not hurt, his stuff plays just so well. And the fact that we've seen it play out at Fenway Park, like he's been here, he's comfortable pitching here. I just, I need his, I need his body to back him up on that. I think he can be that too. I'm going to be optimistic and say he will be that too. But there is like a, a bit of caution I want to take saying You have that. that question mark right there. Yeah. I can't like I can't drive my foot into the ground and be like he's our two. I'm like he's our two. Like, and Brandon, you sounded like you you didn't know. Yeah, uh, I I want to say Perez Day is going to to be able to to be that number two slot, but I still have a little bit of um, hope for Garrett Richards. I, I I really think that he's going to to be able to settle in you know if we remember back a few seasons ago rick Porcello started out real shaky and then went on to win a cy young in boston yeah i think it could be the same track that richards is on he sucked in spring training don't get me wrong 
But once he gets comfortable, I think he could start dealing. That's something that I'm going to be watching very closely as the, the season really starts to progress. Yeah, we, I think we have like nine or ten days left uh, for baseball. Yeah. So the last day is, I believe, March 30th, and then they go up to Boston on March 31st. Um, yep. One of the guys that I'm extremely happy uh, with the pickup is uh, Garrett Whitlock. He mm-hmm. has been showing, like, so uh, it, the Yankees were basically like, we don't want this guy, you know. And then we came in, you know, Heimblum came in, and he freaking he's he get, he grabs him, and so far he's been showing, and he's been showing promise, and he's one of the he's been pitching probably what was it? I think it was Thursday, uh, Friday, he pitched three innings for the first time this spring, and he was just lights out. Yeah, right, right now uh, Whitlock has a one ERA in spring training, so he's been he's been out there dealing. He's uh he's pitched more out of the bullpen than I think any other bullpen pitcher, and he's he's been getting some work in. He's given up some hits and all that stuff, but he's twelve strikeouts to zero walks. That's, That's huge. It is, and with get with Garrett Whitlock, so I'm pretty sure he was a Rule Five selection. Right. This is the kind of thing that I think I need to see out of Heim and that I'm going to expect out of Heim. Like these are the little tiny signings that are going to make a difference come some point in the year that I think should be an advantage that other teams won't have. Like he's going to identify this talent and that's where we're going to make these separations from like the good teams to the really great teams that have that depth are going to be like pickings that he can find like this. Hopefully Something like this still carries out to the regular season, but this is the kind of thing that I think Haim is really good at, and hopefully a track record will show in Boston him being good at that for the future. Yeah, I'm, you know, Brandon, uh, Brandon knows I'm a Bloom guy. Um, Brandon's a Bloom guy as well. Um, I assume that you, I think we actually talked about it a little bit. Yep. Uh, you're not quite there yet, but you want to believe in him. I I'm basically stole on him. I think, I think what I had to do was come down off of 2018 being such a high and then realizing where we have to reposition ourselves. And now I'm, I'm starting to accept that. And again, once I heard him say he wants to set up the Dodgers model, I was like, okay, I get what he's doing. I'm okay with what's going on here. This is going to be for the betterment of two, three, four, five years from now and not the right away results that we've become accustomed to. So I, I'm, I'm all on board with what he's doing. I think he's going to prove how smart he is. And uh, yeah, I, I fully support any move that he's making right now. I mean, all you have to do is look at the Tampa Bay Rays yep. from last season and realize like uh, this team that had, you know, a, a salary that we could all pretty much almost afford. And he got them to the world series. It's, it's not, it's not unrealistic to think that with the Boston Red Sox and their gigantic payroll that he could work a lot more magic because yep. now he has, he has a lot more uh, strings that he can pull to get these guys in. He can get better quality guys on top of these diamonds in the rough. And, you know, speaking of diamonds in the rough, Brad, you and I talked about Phillips Valdez a lot last year. Yep. Can, can he kind of get back to the, uh, the lights out pitching that he was showing during the middle of the 2020 season. So I, I, I he's been having a little bit of trouble um, mm-hmm. at, at spring training. 
Um, I think people have kind of figured him out a little bit. And I think that he'll he'll end up he'll end up figuring it out and he'll he'll be able to throw what he needs to throw. Um, the other guy that I'm concerned about, not like if he's going to be any good because he started showing some promise last year as well, is uh, Brazier. Um, I know that he had a, a setback um, from spring training and he's coming uh, coming into like he's doing uh, sim games and whatnot. I want to see him pitch like he was at the end of last year. And uh, we need somebody like that. He's one of those psychopaths, you know, like I'll never forget when he told Gary Sanchez, get back in the box. Not with those exact words. Uh, it was a little bit more colorful. But when you got a guy that can say that, it's a Sanchez of all people. And I mean, it was pretty funny. See, I may, I may be in the minority here, but I'm not a big fan of Brazier. He, he kind of gives me the same vibes that I get from Matt Barnes where I think like, Oh, here we go again. This guy's going to come out here and shit the bed and blow it for us. You know, you, you've got a point. I have a little bit more faith in Brazier than I do with uh, Barnes. Uh, and it's because you're not getting the curveball every time. You're not sitting curveball like Barnes, you know, oh, what's Barnes going to throw? I bet you he's going to throw the yacker. Um, so, I mean, with Brazier, you get a little bit of a difference. I feel like Brazier's been on this team for 10 years. I know it's only been since like 2018, but I have no idea why. I feel like he's kind of like, He's just been in this clubhouse so he's, long. He's pitched a lot in those yeah. three years. Yeah. Yeah. In 2018, um, he had that great of a year in 2018. He started going downhill in 2019. Uh, 2020, he tried coming back uh, with, you know, try to prove himself and whatnot. And, and he was just, I thought he was going to be gone instead, instead of like a workman Henry deal. And uh, speaking of Henry, it was just announced today that he was released from the Cleveland Indians. So you've got Henry, who is now a free agent. You had Workman, who sucked for the Phillies. So who really won that deal uh, and that trade? I, I mean, the day that we're recording is a bad day to ask that question because Nick Pavetta got roughed up by the Pirates in spring training today. It's but spring training. <laughs> But he, he's also a starter, which means he pitched against the Pirates starters and <laughs> and they absolutely destroyed him. So maybe it's a familiarity thing because he pitched for Philly for a while and they played Philly, but it doesn't look good when the Pirates are roughing you up. So I live relatively close to Philadelphia. Like that's the home bar, home quote unquote ballpark near me. Like that's the one that is a 15 minute drive. I have watched Nick Pavetta pitch. Um, the day that we traded Workman for Pavetta, my phone blew up with a bunch of, oh my God, you guys are idiots. And I was like, oh God. Like, because Pavetta has just been that guy in Philadelphia, like equivalent to Buckholz almost, where it's like there is stuff there, but he never, ever, ever came. Like, he had one season where he kind of figured it out and then it just blew up. Mm. I, again, until I see it for my own eyes because the Red Sox have not been fantastic developing their own starting pitching until I see these adjustments within the franchise that show, Hey, we can produce, develop and correct other 
pitchers from different franchises and make them better for us. I don't have faith in Nick Pavetta. Um, I'm interested <laughs> in Connor Seabold. I actually I was really want to see. I was going to get to him next. I think that uh, like Pavetta. Okay, I could see you guys' point. Seabold was actually the uh, the name or the player that was like attached to that trade that was like Bloom wanted. Yeah. And again, like for, for what the trade was like for half a season of an awful Brandon Workman, like I will take both of those players all day long just to see and eat some innings. But if you're just analyzing the individual player, I'm not going to be over the moon about Nick Pavetta, but his stuff is there again. It's all these hypotheticals of like, if he can figure it out, but like, Hey, like come here and figure it out. I, I think I think I'm gonna go with Bloom won that um, against against yeah. the Phillies because I mean obviously we still have Pavetta we still have a uh, Seabold and the Phillies didn't win win jack shit uh, with Workman or um, Hembry wasn't it uh, Workman that blew his first save as a he member did. of the Phillies as soon as, as soon as as soon as he checked in he's like yep this is what I do. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, he, he did pretty good for uh, uh, the Red Sox w- when he pitched for us. Uh, I still will never forget that um, John Farrell let him hit in the World Series. Oh my God. Uh, that <laughs> that <Yep. laughs> I was I was appalled. I didn't I didn't know why or what was going through Farrell's head when he did that. Um, so we're going uh, we're we're gonna go back around full circle here and uh we're going to end the episode with a couple of questions on the management uh side here so i should have probably started with this type of question and asked you guys uh zach i did ask you this uh when we first talked for the first time and i'm gonna start off by asking brandon on this question uh so heimblum ended up hiring alex cora back do you True. believe? Yes, this is truth. Um, <laughs> do you believe that that was a, a bloom decision, or do you believe that the ownership were like, "All right, you're going to hire him, and we're going to sit back, and then you're going to say that you were the one who made this decision"? No, I think this is 100% a Heim Bloom move. I think that uh, he was very diligent in his in his. Uh, search for a manager i think that he interviewed several candidates and the one that just seemed to fit the team and fit what they were trying to do the best was a guy that played in boston a guy that had managerial success in boston and a guy that knew long term what the goals were going to be and all three of those fit alex cora uh it to me it made absolute sense whenever it happened it, it was either going to be Cora or I felt like Bloom was going to try to steal somebody from the Rays organization. When that was announced that that wasn't going to to happen, the Rays were on their little World Series run and all that stuff, uh, then Cora made the most sense. I believe you and I actually talked about the uh, the Rays organization and whatnot. I think he's under contract with the Rays that uh, or he made an agreement that he wouldn't start uh, picking from the Rays after so many seasons until after so many seasons. So uh, Makes I sense. believe, I believe we, we talked about that outside. Uh, Zach, um, what are your thoughts on the bloom hiring Alex Cora? 
Yeah, uh, I'm basically going to say the uh, same thing here. I think it was a Bloom decision. I, I do not think in any way, shape, or form uh, that Bloom would have hired someone that he was 50-50 or even like 80-20 about. I think he was, and I'm going to use my favorite Robert Kraft word here, unequivocally okay with hiring Heim Bloom. That was, or I'm sorry, Heim was like ready to hire Cora. It's also hard to not hire him. I mean, he had had success with the team in a World Series. The players love him. Devers says he's like a father figure. And I think they're going to make a really good pairing. I think Heim was 1,000%. That was his guy. He chose him. And it just so happened to fit what Red Sox management probably would have wanted as well. All right. I, I believe um, when it first happened, it was kind of like, Ugh, you know, I wanted Cora. I want it 100%. But when it was uh, said that Heimblum hired Cora, um, I was just like, well, did he actually hire him? Or was it, you know, was it a decision that he made? Or is it a decision that somebody else made and made him take uh, take the brunt of it? You know, like, hey, yeah, I did it. And ownership was the one, you know, like basically how they did with uh, Bobby Valentine. I mean, obviously they they weren't like in the back with hiring Bobby Valentine. I think it's a fair question to ask, though, because because, you know, you're bringing in Haim and he's kind of new to the organization. John Henry and the and the gang are probably, you know, flexing a little muscle saying like, this is our guy. But I think whenever they brought in Haim, they knew what they were getting in this guy. And they said, all right, hey, it's yours. Here's the checkbook. Do what you need to do. Yep. All right. So last question. We're going to end the show. Our last question is. What are we expecting out of the Red Sox this year? And what do you think the record's going to be? Ooh, you want to go ahead with that one, Zach? Sure, I'll take uh, take it here. So I'm going to try not be – I love to be optimistic with this team because it is my team. And, I mean, quite frankly, with the track record we have, why not be optimistic? But my realistic expectation this year, maybe a push for a wild card spot. And I think somewhere between – 82 to 86 wins. It'll definitely be a better season than last, but I, when you look at it, I see where the pitching can kind of get injured, lack a little bit, and that might be something that kind of nips us in the butt as we move forward. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with that like mid 80s number. Maybe I'm a little bit too. Uh optimistic then because i'm sitting around 92 to 95 when i would love that for the red sox this season uh i i for whatever reason i I feel good about the team going into the season to get through the first few months then chris sale comes back in june time frame and if if the team is pushing when sale comes back i look for them to be buyers at the trade deadline bring in some more talent and make that push towards the end of the season. You got to remember we, we played the Baltimore Orioles 19 times a season. That's a good chunk of wins there that you can, uh, you can get. I'm seeing a big dip for the Rays this season as well. I don't think they're going to be as uh, dominant against the Red Sox and Yankees as they were last year. I'm going to say 92 to 95 wins. I have to disagree um, with that. And I'm closer to what Zach was saying. I'm at 83.79. Um, and 
I had to do the math while you guys were. <laughs> I was like, well, if I'm going to 83, how many losses is that? Um, so I'm going 83 wins, 79 losses, which I'll take all day with the Red Sox, especially with after what happened last year. It's above 500. Um, I have to disagree with the Rays situation. Um, the reason for that is because it is the Rays. And they're going to come out with some bullshit, um, bullshit player that's just going to shut people down. Um, Randy Rosarena last year, and nobody expected what he did in the playoffs. Um, and you know their pitching staff, um, as though they got they let Morton walk, uh, they traded Snell. Uh, I feel like they're going to just have somebody waiting to come up uh, to make that uh, that league minimum. Is that so that they can get a push and whatnot. Uh, last year, we had a hard time with the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, I remember one of the first the first games that we had where we played the Orioles, it was 13 to like two or something like that, and we won. And then the very next day, we, we lost, and then we lost this entire series. Yeah. And the funniest thing about that series was the very first game when Dennis Eckersley said, man, it's got to be tough being a uh, an Orioles uh, broadcaster, and then the next two games, and then the Red Sox just went, <laughs> they just sucked. So what um, you're saying is that it was all X fault last season. I, I blame I blame X for everything last year. <laughs> Sorry, Dennis. Uh, you know I love you, and <laughs> you know I, I I absolutely love Eckersley uh, on the microphone um, in the booth and whatnot. Him and Jerry Remy are fantastic. Love uh, it. So are we expecting anything out? Uh, you said wild card, Brandon. You're thinking possibly winning the East. I'm thinking wild card. Uh, I, I'm going to say for sure wild card, possibly making a run at a pennant. But I still have the Yankees winning the the division. Really, you have the Yankees, not the Blue Jays. No, I don't have the Blue Jays. I, they don't have enough pitching, in my opinion. They have the hitting all day long, but I don't. I don't trust their their arms, specifically their bullpen. Fair enough. I, I, I can definitely understand that. Well, that's going to be the end of our very first episode, everybody. Thank you so much for uh, listening in. Uh, definitely go ahead and follow us on Twitter. You can find us at Pesky Report or twitter.com backslash Pesky Report. And we will be back Thursday. We are going to record uh, again, and we will have another episode out on Friday morning. Take it easy.